0: Amen. Excellent. Well, let's dive into the Word of God this morning. We're heading to uh, Hebrews chapter 12 again. So if you've got a Bible with you, Hebrews 12. And if you've been with us over the last couple of months... Um, This is a verse that hopefully you're beginning to know very well indeed Um, and I challenge you why not go old school and memorize um, this verse you know growing up you maybe uh, memorize some verses I want to encourage you um, to be somebody who is taking in the word of God. And renewing your mind uh, with it. For those who haven't been around over the last few weeks or maybe for those who um, you can't remember what you did yesterday, let alone what we spoke about last Sunday and the Sunday before and the Sunday before that, we've been talking about running the race set before us, that God has set for us to run, taken from this verse in Hebrews um, chapter 12 and what we've been saying is that in 2022 as a church, as families, as individuals, we want to run our best lap yet on that race that God has set. And so this verse is central um, to what we've been sharing. Let's read it again this morning. Then I want to look at what we've covered so far. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So we've been saying that God has set a race before us for us to run, and we're going to run it with ever greater passion this year. But what we've also been looking at is this truth that we will never run effectively all the time that we are held back or tripped up. And so we've been looking at some of the stuff you may remember that Hebrews chapter 12 doesn't name, but some of the stuff that we know is holding us back or tripping us up in life. We've looked at anger, we've looked at pride, uh, we've looked at worry, and all these things are things that can have the ability to trip us up or hold us back or entangle us. And then last week, Mark Ward shared a message, a challenge, uh, which orbited around this question what is the race that we're actually running? What is the race set before us? Because we can make the mistake of thinking we know what the race is when we don't actually know what it is. The race that God has set before us isn't one of merely turning up for church on a Sunday morning. The race that God has set before us, as we looked at last week, even, isn't even church activity and doing all the things that you think a good Christian should do. The, the race that God has set before us is a race of faith. It's one of relationship with God, amen? It's one of worship. It's one of true intimacy with Him. And so what I want to do today is I want to share on one more thing that I believe we need to throw off. There'll be loads that we could look at, but I want to look at one more in this series that we need to get rid of, just like with pride and anger and worry, because this one is very much linked to last week's message, in the sense that if we don't shake this off, then it can lead to so much misunderstanding of what this race is actually all about. I want to speak today on the subject of jealousy. And we're going to pull out some stuff this morning that I believe is going to help us in this area. I believe this is important because if we allow jealousy to become a weight in our lives or something that we're so easily entangled in, it can lead to a whole load of other things like insecurity and offense and things like that that not only stop us running effectively, but as Mark touched on last week, cause us to run the wrong race altogether. So let's spend some time this morning looking and exploring jealousy, imparting security in order that God's word and God's uh, God's spirit can lead us to a place of freedom this morning where we continue to run the race effectively. Now something that we need to acknowledge right at the outset is that the enemy will try and use things in your life as we've been saying to prevent you from running the race set before us effectively. Now sometimes he'll use uh, big obvious things like fear. Fear is something that just by its very nature is loud, it shouts in your face, it's aggressive towards you, it holds you back and it's something that can be very obvious. Fear is in your face as I said but other things that the enemy uses are a lot more subtle like jealousy. Jealousy is something that's very subtle but over time it can grow and we end up with the same end result of it affecting your race of faith. Jealousy is something that plays itself out in many different ways in many different settings, but essentially all orbits around this thought. Comparing ourselves or the things we have with those around us. We can sometimes get entangled and be in this place because we are in this situation where we're comparing ourselves or the things we have with those around us. And when we do that, we need to understand that jealousy's ugly sisters, let's call them that this morning, jealousy's ugly sisters over here called insecurity and offense are never very far away when we've allowed ourselves to become entangled with jealousy. As I said, this is something that plays itself out in different settings, different levels. It's something that in the age of social media and mobile phones has never been more prevalent. It's increasing at a great speed. See, we become, or we have become a generation that are so besotted with how other people are doing, what they're doing, how they're, achieving, how their kids behave, what they have, what salary they earn, where they went on holiday. People get jealous about all sorts of different things. People get jealous about possessions, what other people earn, what they have. People get jealous about positions or why do they have that job when I worked so hard? Why is it that within our team at work that person got the promotion when everybody knows that it should have been me and not them? People get jealous about power and leadership. People get jealous about others being recognized, others being praised. Why is it that my sister or my brother always got the attention? People get jealous of other people's abilities, their talents and their skills. People get jealous of other people's intelligence of their personality? Why is it that they can command a room? Why are they so outgoing? Why is it they seem to have so many friends and I struggle to connect with people? Why is it, you know, some people get jealous of how how many social media friends other people have got or the social media interactions that they have. We get jealous of relationships. I wish my marriage was like their marriage. I wish my husband or my wife was like their spouse. We get jealous of age. For a long while maybe you wish you were older and then you reach a tipping point and you wish that you were younger. We look around, we get, we get jealous of looks and appearance, we get jealous of opportunities. Why do they get so many privileges? Why did they have that upbringing and I have my lousy upbringing? We get jealous even of relationship with God. Why is it that they always seem to be used by God and not me? Why is it that they hear so clearly from God and I struggle to hear or understand what God is saying the list is endless. And what I want you to see is that over time, jealousy, if we allow it, something that starts so subtly but something that grows, if we allow it, it will take over our mind and our emotions and it will entangle you. Now Proverbs 14 verse 30 puts it this way. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. But jealousy is like a cancer in the bones. What is the writer of Proverbs saying? He's he's saying this, that just as cancer spreads and it takes over, so does jealousy in your life. Now very often, and some of you will sadly know this yourself or people that you love, very often somebody won't know that they're carrying cancer until there's symptoms that are shown in their body. Likewise, it can be with jealousy. It can be so subtle in your life that you're not realizing it and it grows. It may just be one thing in your life that you're jealous about but suddenly it grows and it consumes you and all of a sudden symptoms in your life start showing up that all of a sudden when jealousy is not overcome it leads to bitterness and offense and all these other things, confusion, disorder, worthlessness in your mind and your emotions. Nothing good comes from a jealous spirit. So if as we've started this morning, you immediately, you know, sometimes a word is preached you're like, ouch, this is for me. If the Holy Spirit is instantly beginning to say something to you, and you know that jealousy is something that in the past you've got entangled in, or something that sometimes got a grip of you, I I want to ask you this question What is it actually going to take to satisfy you? What is it going to take to actually satisfy you? in life because if you're living a certain way that's rooted in jealousy you know what you will never actually be satisfied once you've got this you'll want that once you've got a certain amount of money coming in you'll want some more once you've got this house you want a bigger one once your kids have got certain grades you want them to get a certain job and it's almost like running on a treadmill which some of you do some of you run on a treadmill which is fine and it's good for your health but it's not good if you're trying to get from a to b if you're actually trying to get somewhere, you can run all you like on, on a treadmill, you can have the music going, you can, you can go as fast as you want, but if you're trying to travel somewhere, it's pretty pointless. And that's how it is, trying to be satisfied in what everybody else has got around you. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 4, Solomon put it this way. Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. This was written thousands of years ago, and yet it's like it was posted in 2022. Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. The message paraphrase says, then I observed all the work and ambition that is actually motivated and rooted in envy. What a waste. Smoke. It's like spitting into the wind. What a great analogy. It's like spitting into the wind. It's like chasing the wind. It's pointless. It's absolutely pointless. I mean, imagine a couple of weeks ago, if when our friend Storm Eunice came to town, you were out driving, and, and you're, you're up at the traffic lights, and suddenly you look to a field on the left, and I'm running around like a loony trying to chase, them and, and you pull over. Steve, are you okay? What were you doing? I'm chasing Eunice. I'm chasing the, I would hope that in your goodness of your heart, you would take me home, sit me down, get me a cup of tea, and just check with Kirsty that everything's going all right in my life. It's pointless. And the writer of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, says, Do you know what? If you're trying to get somewhere in life, by keeping up with everybody else around you and trying to find satisfaction by everything else. If you're trying to be at satisfaction and at rest today through all the wrong means and you're looking to your social media or to your wage packet or to your body shape or to your children or to a relationship or to a possession, if you're looking basically anywhere outside of God for true worth and status, it is meaningless. So what is it going to take to satisfy you because here's what jealousy is at its root it's the pain that we feel because we've believed for life that we need what they have in order to be fully satisfied it's for life that we've believed that we need to be like them in order to be fully satisfied. So if I'm jealous of what someone else has, whether it's possessions or marriage or giftings or a relationship with God or whatever it might be, I'm making the mistake of thinking I need what they have in order to truly satisfy me. And when our lives are rooted in jealousy, here's what we do. We stop running the right race. Because all of a sudden, we've made this race of faith actually all about possessions or power or popularity when actually the race that we're called to run, as Mark rightly said last week, is actually one focused on God, focused on his kingdom, focused on relationship with him. It's one of worship. But when you're entangled in jealousy, do you know what? Your eyes are no longer on Jesus. Your eyes are on everybody else and everything else around you. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, we looked at this race. Well, verse 2 explains how we do that effectively. And we're going to look at this verse more in coming weeks. But let's just touch upon it for a moment. Because we've said we're running this race. Verse 2 says this. We do this, in other words, we run this race effectively by keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's how we run the race. The amplifier says looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus. Jealousy causes us to be caught and running the wrong race. Jealousy causes us to take our eyes off Jesus. What is it going to take to satisfy us? Now in John chapter 6 verse 35, Jesus says these words and he's saying this in the context of a moment where people around his life are are trying to find satisfaction. They're saying, do a miracle, do something in order to prove that you are who you say you are. And he responds this way, John 6 verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He uses those two natural things to talk about a deeper spiritual connection, hunger and thirst. You know what it's like to be hungry. Now when we were kids we used to say, oh I'm starving. None of us actually in reality know what it's like to starve like children actually around the world. Let's be real. But we know what it's like to be hungry or some of you may sometimes go beyond the tipping point to, to hangry. Anybody ever hangry in this place? Okay we've got two honest people, the rest of you, you need to come and repent at the end of a service because I know there's no doubt I cannot be one of three people in a room this size who at times... I'll share my humanity it gets a little bit hangry, hungry and angry at the same time because I'm just hungry and, and I need some stuff. But anyway, Jesus says, if you hunger spiritually and you're looking anywhere else where than him, you'll never truly be satisfied. He is the one who satisfies your deepest hunger. He is the one who quenches your deepest thirst. He alone will satisfy. See, it's not in more stuff. It's not in more relationships. It's not in more ability. It's not even in Christian activity and ticking all the boxes. It's in God and your relationship with him that you will find satisfaction. And when you find satisfaction in him, that's when you start to run the race effectively. Amen. Now, I know that as I'm preaching this this morning, some of you, within you, there's an objection rising up. And the objection may be this. Well, okay, does this mean that none of us can better ourselves? Does this mean that we all just have to plateau and we can't ever hope for more in life? Does this mean that I can't raise my kids and and encourage them to be the best that they can be? No, you can do all of that kind of stuff, but the question is, what's your primary motivation? Because when your primary motivation isn't, can I keep up with everybody else around me? If it isn't driven by jealousy anymore, but it comes from this deep satisfaction of your relationship with God, then you can build upon that. Like the wise man who built his house upon what? hello, <laughs> the wise man who built his house upon the, okay, you won't be struck by lightning if you, sh- if you speak in church, it's okay, the wise man who built his house upon the rock, see when your house is built and your life is built on God, what does it say, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things shall be added unto you, but when you build your life primarily on stuff, or on how well I'm doing in life, which is only a temporary thing that the Bible says we're actually aliens going through this life. Our home is in heaven. If we're focused on all the wrong stuff and we're building upon sand, and your life will eventually crash. Now one man who knew all of this was the Apostle Paul. When he said these words I want us to look at. He knew how to run the race of faith effectively. And he said this in Philippians 4, 11-13, as we've said many times before. He's writing this from a prison cell. He's not writing this from some beach somewhere. And he says this. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it's like to be in need. And I know what it is like to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation Whatever, whether, sorry, well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then comes a verse that we all know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, so often we just take the end verse of that as you're lifting a weight level that you've never lifted. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or uh, as we try and do something that we've never done before in the natural. And often we miss out actually the context of what Paul was writing this in in this moment. Paul says, you can add stuff to my life and I'll be content. Great. But you can take it all away and I'll still be exactly the same. Because it's not the things around me. I know the race that I am running. I know what it's all about. And my security is in Christ. My joy is in Christ. My satisfaction is in Christ. My eyes are on Jesus and not on other things. Now, if you're not somebody who's there right yet, and probably that includes every single one of us, if you're not where the Apostle Paul is right now, then chances are you're on your way there. But jealousy has the ability or tries to at times to creep up on you in one way or another. So let me ask you, where do you find your greatest satisfaction? In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells us this, this parable. And remember, parables are just earthly stories that Jesus told a whole load of. And they're natural stories that carry a heavenly meaning a heavenly revelation. And he spoke this story this parable that's arguably the greatest one that he did tell in Luke chapter 15 of the lost son, of the prodigal son. And I want us just to turn to it, Luke chapter 15, for a moment because actually within it and within the reaction of the older brother are all the things that we've spoken about of those, those four weeks of what we need to, to strip off and lay aside. Pride, anger, worry. You say, was he worried? Yeah, he was worried about himself and what it looked like for him. Now jealousy. All these things are shown in his reaction. So Luke chapter 15, Jesus has just shared this um, story, this masterpiece, or is sharing, of this young man who goes to his father and claims his inheritance early. And he goes off and he lives a wild life. And many of you know the story, he spends his money on prostitutes and all this kind of stuff. And he ends up in this place of complete and utter desperation. He ends up on a pig farm in a time of famine, considering eating the pig food where he is working. Now, all of this was by design because all of this, and we could look at it another time, in one way or another, would have offended, highly offended, the religious and the Jewish audience listening to him that day. But Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He was making this point that this guy is about as desperate as you can get. He's hit rock bottom. And this is where we pick it up in verse 20. Luke 15, verse 20 it says, So he returned home to his father. This is the, the lost son. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dance in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. Your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry Possibly angry as well in this moment. I don't know. Depends what translation you're reading. He was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. And never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, not this brother of mine, but when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So Jesus tells this story, and he describes this this older brother, who was so entangled in jealousy, so held back, by anger and pride that he couldn't be satisfied. And here's the thing about jealousy. It will always affect your race of faith because it will cause you to look at others instead of looking to Jesus. Here was this older son, and he's done everything by the book, but he's filled with jealousy and so instead of celebrating he says to the father all these years I've been with you and I've done everything you asked me to and I'm the the goody two shoes and I'm the one that you should be celebrating and yet this son of yours comes back and you begin to throw a party and celebrate with him see jealousy will always cause you to look at others instead of looking to Jesus And in an age, as I said earlier, of social media and mobile phones and everything else, never has this been more prevalent. We look at what they've been given, what they have, how clever their kids are, why they had a great upbringing and not us. And instead of looking to Jesus and running the race of faith, we look to others and we look at what we lack and we wallow in self-pity. I want to encourage you, stop comparing yourselves to other people. Now, if that means that you come off social media for a season, that's okay. Let, let me tell you a secret. Some of you are going to be shocked by this. You actually can't live without oxygen, but you can live without social media. Now, I know that some of you, <laughs> over lunch, you'll be, you'll be eating your roast. going, I never knew that. What great pearls of wisdom we had thrown before our feet this morning, that I can live without social media. Others of you don't. Like, no, I can't. Anyway. Stop comparing yourselves. Some of you aren't on social media at all, yet you still spend every day comparing yourselves to other people in the workplace. And when we make life about stuff and where we're at on this pecking order, we completely lose sight of the fact that our race is one where our eyes should be totally and firmly fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Another way jealousy messes up a race is it causes us to be self-obsessed now in this race of faith that mark spoke about we're to be jesus focused not self-obsessed there's a big difference we're called to be jesus focused not self obsessed what did the elder brothers say in all that time that i've been with you you never ever gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends, Do you know, a great cure for, for jealousy and offense and insecurity is found when we just stop worrying about ourselves and we instead look to Jesus. Paul said this in Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, it's impossible for I to be alive still because he's been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ now lives in me. And the life which I now live in the body or in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul essentially says, now that I'm running this race of faith, my life isn't about me anymore. My life isn't about what I can achieve or what I'm attaining to. It's about Jesus. It's no longer about I. It's about him. We've got to throw off this stuff. We've got to throw off jealousy and offense and what they did and what they said because you know what else it does? It causes you to miss out on what you already have. In verse 31, the father says, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. Jealousy robs you of the blessings that Christ has given to you. Jealousy blinds you to the fact that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Jealousy will always cast a shadow over what you do have and put a spotlight on what you feel you're missing out on. And in so doing, it will entangle you and trip you up in the race of faith. Maybe, just maybe, we're missing out on what we actually do have because we're spending so much of our time and energy focusing and obsessing over what we don't have. Some of you today, this may well be striking a chord because you're tired of being entangled in jealousy. You're tired of constantly getting offended. You're tired of this thing that's plaguing you and leaving you unsatisfied. James 3.16 says, "For for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. If you're in a place where you're just plagued by something, you, you can't even name it. You, you just want to shake it off. Maybe, just maybe, it's because jealousy and selfish ambition have taken root in our lives. It will always lead to our race being affected. Okay, let's wrap this up this morning. I, be, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to, to ask some questions this morning. Let me end by asking you these. When are you going to start enjoying what you already have? What Christ has already blessed you with I'm talking naturally and spiritually what you already have because sometimes even in our Christianity we're always striving always wanting to to do more and be more that Mark was touching on last week but that's not the point of the race when are we going to realize that we have everything that we need when are we going to stop being distracted by other momentary things and actually start seeking first the kingdom of God because the word makes it clear you are already blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Right? Does your Bible say something different? Mine says I've already been blessed with every spiritual. It doesn't say if I keep working hard enough, if I do enough. No, no, no. The Bible says you are blessed. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. The Bible declares that you are complete in Christ. The Bible says over your life that you lack nothing. This morning, now you may have come into this place thinking I don't have this and I don't have that. Well, you're disagreeing with the Bible because the Bible says you lack nothing. Bible makes the point that everything that you look for outside of God, every earthly thing that you're looking at to try and satisfy you is like a broken cistern. It will not hold up. It will not work. It will just leave you in a place of being completely and utterly dissatisfied. But the problem is that so often we're looking for something out there that actually we already have. Come on, you've been there. You're looking for your reading glasses. They're on your head. You're looking for where you've placed your mobile phone. You're on it. And you're like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah." Sometimes in life, we're looking for everything around us instead of looking to Christ within us. But we're putting our hopes on something external when actually it's something internal within us. Paul says, I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstance. If I have plenty, I'm happy. If I have little, I'm happy because I have Christ in me. Just imagine with me for a moment a life where you could genuinely be happy (laughs) and ecstatic for people around you when they succeed. Just imagine uh, a life where actually if you were given more things then you'd be happy. But actually if I took everything away from you that you have right now, you'd still be happy. Not happy but joyful, complete, That's the life that we can have today. And in fact, the Bible says that's the life that we do have today because in Christ we have everything. We have the fullness of the Godhead in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Let's just close our eyes this morning. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, your word is not a storybook. Your word is your word. It's living, it's active, it's sharper than double-edged sword. Jesus, we thank you for today we can be shaped and changed by your living word. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that as the word has been preached, may you do something in people's lives today that no natural man can do. Lord, may you change people's mindsets, change people's hearts, that we would be able to leave this place and stop looking to other things but look to you holy spirit i pray that tomorrow morning in the workplace this word would have effect but when we look across at desks and people around about us or we're working from home and look at other people on zoom screens that we would just have that contentment of who you've called us to be we wouldn't get wrapped up in the other things of life lord as we pull up at home and we look around at neighbors as we go to family dinners or family times and we look at family and whatever it might be lord wherever this has been plaguing us as people scroll through social media may something within them not be hurt or challenged wrongly but may they know that i have everything that i need lord when we put aside all this stuff of life all these temporary things that's when we can begin to fix our eyes on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus, we want to run this, faith, this race effectively. We want to run this race full speed ahead. Lord, there's stuff that you have for us to do. So Lord, I just pray, pray against any distractions, anything that the enemy tries to pull across our path that would cause us to trip up. We want to run in a way that's free of anger, free of par- pride free of worry and jealousy, knowing what the actual race is that you have called us to run. Lord, we want to worship you and not the things that you have created. So Father, I just thank you that you take this word and you do something within the lives of each and every single one of us, we pray. Lord, for anybody here who's never given their life to you, Jesus, I pray that this would be a defining morning today. For anybody who's far away from you, Lord, and they've wandered in today and they've seen people singing and clapping and they've heard the word preached and they see a joy within people that they so crave. Lord, I thank you that they would know that there's nothing they have to do, but they just have to believe in the one who has already done it all for them. Jesus, we thank you for your gift of salvation. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, let's take this word today and to live it out this coming week and if you're somebody who ha- hasn't ever given your life to jesus or you've wandered away from him and you said you know what i need to come home today then what i'm going to encourage you to do is just to go and see mark who spoke last week um, he stood at the back and he just wants to connect with you and just be able to um, encourage you and maybe just share a few things and give you a few resources as you begin this journey And um, don't forget, tonight we're back here at 5.30 p.m. And uh, stick around for tea and coffee, but have a great week. And we just speak blessing over your week, your next seven days. And we'll be back here again next Sunday morning.